Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of carrying the torch for your poor, deceased, or just too drunk to show up for the game podcast. Wait a minute, you're drinking, you get out of the game? I drink, I still gotta run them. No, I, too drunk to come to the game. Oh, I'm sorry, I drink while I'm gaming. Okay, anyways, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, there you are. Okay. <laughs> Drinking while you're, while you're gaming uh, is a time-tested uh, form of uh, annoying the GM. And, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> and I have a number of players who do that. Oh, heck, some of my players are the ones that give me the booze. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyways. The, uh, that, that and gummies, alcohol and gummies. Mm, <laughs> what a combo. Anyways, uh, uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about what do you do when you have missing players. But still, they're going to be they're going to be people. Well, why should you get? You're basically penalizing me for not being here. You're going to have that as an issue. I already see that coming up. They're going to be. Playing. If you don't trust your GM, you shouldn't be playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your players should be able to agree with each other. And if you set this up as a standard, okay, then moving forward, everybody knows what to expect. Yeah, yeah. And this isn't just a stick, you know, to to get them to come. You know, it's also a carrot in the sense that the other characters realize that the more they participate, the more they're going to be rewarded versus the people who don't participate by not even being there. Well, but that, 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 see, that's that's the whole... The way you said it right there, that's, oh, I just didn't want to come this week. Okay, yeah. then fine, I might, okay, if you're just going to blow off my game because you don't want to be there, that, that'll that lead me right to the conversation. Okay, but that's totally metagaming, man. I mean, you know, it, yeah, I mean, but, if but, you got players who don't want to come because they just don't want to come, okay, then, then you're like, why are you coming at all then? If it's something that I, again, term under the phrase attack of life, yeah, I had to work tonight. I had a family get together. Right. I was sick and I didn't want to be patient zero. Right. I mean, I, I'm not advocating the GM or the other players being dicks about this. Okay. Oh no. I'm, I'm simply saying that you know, if you, you know, that that the, there's going to be players, a lot of players who basically like John hasn't been here for the past three sessions yet. He's getting full shares and he's getting the same experience that those of us who had to struggle our way through all this without him helping. That doesn't seem right. And so this is, I'm saying, these are techniques you can use to basically try to even, you know, to compensate or even the whatever. You basically make everybody feel like everyone's getting what is rightfully theirs as a result of the gaming. I don't know. I guess I, I, guess I just never had the players really get that bent out of shape where they'll say to me, well, gee, Trav, Jeff, you know, he's missed one game every other month, you know, in this Saturday game, yet he's getting full share. And I've never really had any of my players bring that up. Oh, excuse me. 
that's your, that's your experience. That's great. I mean, if no one has a problem with it, but I'm saying is that I know people who have had a problem with it. Okay. I've, I've also seen it where someone goes and says, I'm tired of playing this character. I, that my character turns around and walks off. I'm bringing a new character in, but he's supposed to get full, full uh, shares of the treasure that the previous character helped fight for. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, okay. Then I'm going to be like, no, you, I mean, any, these things happen. Okay. And I'm yeah. just saying is that these are way, I mean, if you basically upfront say, look, if you're not here, you have no claim to any of the treasure that's been garnered during this, this period of time. Well, yeah, because, okay. Now for that, I would do, okay. If it's just money, yeah, I'll divide. Okay, yeah, and I use the D twenty modern wealth. So okay, it's a ten wealth. It's a it's a ten wealth plus ten wealth bonus. There are five characters. Everybody gets a plus two added to their wealth. Fine, great, I do that. Now, if there's items, and you're not there to pick out the items, that's I guess that would be my way of an air quotes here, people, for an audio medium, penalizing. You don't get first, and if everything's picked over, you get what's left. Yeah, yeah, that happens. That that is probably the most I will do. If let's say, yeah, okay, we're dividing all this treasure that we won after you know ten nights of, you know, ten game nights over you know twenty weeks of adventuring. And you're not here, to, uh, then you're not here. I'm not going to hold off. These people want to, you know, these other four players want to split up this massive horde of items and weapons and armor. Yeah, you get what's left. It's worse when there aren't a massive horde, where there's just a few items, okay? Because in in the a campaign that I played some time, some time ago, one character always seemed to manage to get first pick. This was a fighter, and he always picked the magic sword. Usually there was only one magic sword in the treasure. Yeah. This guy so that- had five magic swords, two of which were intelligent. No other character had a magic weapon. Yeah, see, that's that's... Yeah, that's where I would just say, okay, you know what? You need to let somebody else pick a magic sword. You have one. You have an intelligent magic sword. You need another? Oh, yeah. this No, this person only played with one of the swords. The other swords was just part of his collection. No, see, no, 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 no. You don't- he rightfully rolled it. He rightfully picked it. It was all his. You know, believe me, there was more than one character who thought about maybe this character needs to, like, you know, be replaced by another character. You know, the, you know, drawing a line across my neck, you know, method. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's little scragging uh, conversations going on about the, yeah. around the table. Yeah, it, it just, that that's when you're just like, okay, you don't need five magic swords for them. Just but the point is, is that he had them. Okay. Yeah. And, then that, and I'm saying is that you know, and believe me, you know, is, is it the, the you know we were we were just looking you know, and because magic swords are in D and D are one of the most common items that you get. Well, yeah. All right. And and the fact that nobody else in the party had a magic weapon was ridiculous. But that's how it ended up. Lord help us if we ran into a uh, into what what is a, a wraith 
or something like that that required magic? Well, it used to be. It used to be if you didn't have a magic weapon, you couldn't even hurt them. Okay, now they now it's just dis, it's just da, disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now, now you, they basically take half damage instead of no damage. So that that's those are addition changes. But the point still is, that's why talking about what's going to happen as far as treasure and experience and things like that should be an open knowledge at the table. The GM yeah. shouldn't suddenly drop this into the middle. And that's why a lot of people believe in having what they refer to as a social contract. Okay, you know, between the players, we all agree that this is what happens. You know, if somebody's not here, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. You know, if somebody dies, this is how we decide what to do with their belongings. Those, you know, these are good things to do ahead of time. And we, and, and there are, we've done episodes on things like social contracts and such. Yeah, yeah. But this is going to come up when you have this kind of a situation, which is why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. Okay. So, moving on to the second option, <laughs> the uh, the character becomes a background character and just simply stops aiding the party. Okay, this is like you're in you're in a war and you're a part of an army. Okay, does the GM deal with all the other squads that are all around you? No, they only deals with your squad. So therefore, the other character is there, but they're not participating. In the narrative or the uh, uh, the activity, you know, uh, in any way. So, if you're up against ten orcs, the GM assumes that there were twelve orcs, and the other character fought two of them. Yeah. But the experience points that you know uh, uh, that the rest of the players get is going to be based on the ten orcs that they, the rest of the group, the non-background character group, were doing. You know. Yeah. And then at the end of the battle, the GM says, oh, and you look over at, you know, at, 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 at Sally, the swordswoman, and you see her wiping the blood off her weapon and breathing a sigh of relief. And we never worry about things like healing them. Right, right, or, yeah. Or, you know, and stuff like that. So that, you know, I mean, and the GM, therefore, on the on the QT will decide how whether they want to do... And this is, again, done, you know, as is because it's temporary. I mean, if you were, if this was a permanent loss, then it would be, you know, soon that character would just go off on their own. Okay. But we're assuming the players are going, the player's going to return. Or they disappeared in the battle and just you can't find them. Yeah. And, and just like we talked about before, the GM should keep track of, of appropriate hit point reduction so the PC doesn't have elevated hit points compared to the group when the player returns. Also, you should keep track of things like item charges. Uh, because you know, it's not as bad as first edition where you had like a uh, you had like a, a wand that had a hundred charges. There were twenty left. Now how many are left? Well, you know, the background activity probably used some charges, so you could you know, mark those off. You know, or, but like also spell levels. How many spell levels do we take off? You know. Uh, it's just, oh yeah, you could you could sit there and do something like that and just say, okay, you were off fighting something else. You're gonna get. Right. Half of your spell points are gone. You have, you know, this, but yeah, you could just, and, and most players are going to be agreeable. Okay. If I was fighting off on my own, a couple other orcs in this big battle, that seems reasonable. I would have used those resources to keep myself alive. Most players would have a problem with that. But if the PC does suffer permanent losses, like, you know, item saving throws or, 
the, the group gets captured and equipment gets taken away and people each lose, you know, when they come back to find their equipment in the treasure chest, some items are missing and the PC loses an item permanently. Okay, then experience. <laughs> if you were not giving experience to this PC before, definitely should give it to them then because that's their only compensation. They should get, you know, if they're suffering the same losses that the other party members, even though they're a background character, then they should gain a appropriate amount of experience, even though they aren't there and they weren't participating because they're still suffering the losses. So it's implied that they were participating. A movie quote thing where it said, oh yeah, my stuff gets taken away, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's my Walkman, that's my song, Blue Sweet 1970, looked out of feeling, yeah. <laughs> right. No, but... It's true that, yeah, now let's say if your character, if your group, let's say in a session, okay, we got attacked and we got, you know, bushwhacked or, and we all got captured. I mean, you could do, okay, yeah, your character got stuff taken away too. You got put in cuffs and you got strip search and all your stuff is, that's fine. That's part of the narrative. Or you could do the whole thing of, you know, to try to keep the narrative going, your character managed to sneak away. So it gives them a chance to sort of catch up by, okay, now i got to rescue my friends. They're all in these jail cells. They're being, you know, tortured, experimented upon, beaten, whipped, whatever. You're the only one who isn't in jail. Yeah, see, and that gives them a little more, it's like, okay, I feel bad that I missed this session. But now I can make a difference. So yeah, that that's the game master just leveraging the narrative to give them uh, some spotlight time to make up for the fact they couldn't be there last session. It's probably not going to happen. But of course, I immediately, you know, suspicious GM that I am, have these visions, you know, that the player's going to come back and find out that their character actually ended up in a better condition by them not being there. And that's also happened where the player wasn't there and their character ended up being better off without their participation. Yeah, you didn't roll five ones. You weren't, you know, messing up things, and yeah. Oh, especially the people that always roll the ones. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I. Yeah, we, you killed three guys last night. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have had that happen with uh, Goth Bunny, Pixie's mother. Uh, I, I, I roll a die and the queen took an interest in you. and <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just her dice are, it is, we just say, and she's got more dice than I do. They're cursed. Scary. I got you. Right, they're cursed. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah, we played your character this week. Yeah, you 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 rolled four nat 20s and you killed three characters. And she just had that look like, I ain't playing no more. I'm done. You guys play my damn characters better than I do. <laughs> J.P. Withers. Ah, uh, yes. An actual player, you know, but also a character in Bureau 13. He was always telling me about his characters and how, on paper, they look so good. But somehow, once they're in his hands and he's actually in a session, <laughs> bad things always seem to happen. You know, and of course, the fact he was in campaigns where they used those uh, critical hits and misses tables oh, out of the yeah. early Dragon magazines oh, just God. made things all the more special in that regard. So, but uh, yeah... He, uh, I actually was there and watched uh, uh, JP playing JP, his char his, his character, in oh, a Bureau yeah, 13 adventure, and it was awesome. I mean, this guy was doing outrageous things. 
and the GM was totally letting him get away with it. So it was it was fun. <laughs> so so and, and he was he was not, he was uh, truly being awesome in that particular adventure and, and 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 jp was eating it all up you know and it was a little gift that richard it was richard was the gm i think ah. somebody somebody who's afraid of richards and i think it was a little gift to, to jp for you know basically providing one of the most memorable characters in oh the yeah game. yeah so it's a shame that most i mean there actually was a character sheet you know, for JP. I mean, a real one, but I'm yeah. saying there was a kind of a partial one in one of the early editions of uh, of, of Bureau 13. So, you know, he's uh, it, someone could really go, you know, could run with that character if they if they got it. But okay, anyways. Um, so that's uh, those are the those are the the background character PC is stricken. Then we come to the most most. Possibly positive, yet the most fraught with, uh, with with issues is where the PC remains active, and this assumes that a character sheet has been provided by the player. Yeah. So we have a number of options here, which I, you know, uh, the most obvious of which is the GM plays the character, which is really really important if the PC has secrets that should not be shared with the party. Oh no, I've I've had to do that uh, with uh, Jeff's character that you know the the Saturday game he's had to miss because of all you know the wrestling gigs that he's had, and I had to play his. Uh, basically, he made a Death Eater from Harry Potter. Okay. And so I'm sitting there, and yeah, I got to play the extra. I mean, I'm the GM. I'm playing all, but I had to be a GM PC in this Jimmy Hopkirk. Oh no, it was fun, it, mainly because um, I, I love Jeff dearly. I am his best friend. He sold me this, but he does not do accents well. Any character he plays, it's that light Tennessee drawl. Never mind, he's playing someone from the Harry Potter world and it's British. It's still it. So I throw in the British accent, the slang, the terminology if I can. And so, yeah, it's kind of a thing. And they're all looking at me like, why are you doing this? And the character's British. Jeff doesn't do just doesn't do accents. <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. He is from Britain in his world. Yeah. <laughs> Funny thing that. Well, it just yeah, and 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 I told Jeff that I said yeah, I did throw in you know terms like wanker and everything. He's well, yeah, he is British. I said yes, and and then later he played NPCs from that world. We were there, and he still just okay, straight on. Yeah, my name is Henry. I'm from the Ministry of Magic, and I'm just like, mm, yeah, just. And this whole situation is bollocks. No, he didn't know no terminology or nothing. Still, it, like, and uh, it's something I'm gonna have to talk to Jeff about when he starts taking over the Sunday game and doing Fringeworthy and Skyrim. Just, but no, it just the GM taking over the PC. Oh, I had to do that with a uh, first character, first kids characters. So I'm playing one of them, Alexis. It's an eight-year-old girl, the typical fairy princess, rainbow bright uh, kind of character in the Macross Reconstruction era. So I'm having to play an eight-year-old magical girl. That was fun. <laughs> and everyone's going, Burr's even going, yeah, you nailed it. That's exactly how Alexis would play it. <laughs> And it just, yeah, it's, I don't like you. You're a mean man. Lightning bolt. Yeah. 
And I just look at them and they're like, she wouldn't deny she would do that. They, everybody at the table and on the Discord. Yeah, Alexis would. Yeah. <laughs> she used the polar race spell on his entrati. So, you know, yeah. So, yeah, GM playing the character. Yeah, that is the, the just usually the first best option that uh, GMs will pick when a player is absent for a week. And just it it's fun because it gives insight into the character. If you're a good GM and you notice how your character is, how your, your player's character is being played, and you keep a real good eye on how they do it. Her brother Ramses plays a former drill sergeant, got promoted lieutenant, but it's still a 41-year-old career military guy played by a 10-year-old boy. So there's a lot of times, and, and we've already said this word, so I can say it again. There's already there's times that Ramses, as Lieutenant Gordon, will say some dick things, and just and so I throw those in because I see that's what Ramses does with the character, and is again like no, no, you did Gordon and Athena just fine, yeah, just so it does it helps give a little more insight into the character. If another person or a GM plays the character in the type that they've seen the character being played. Now, if you're playing the character and you do something that's totally out of character, yeah, it'll throw things off. It'll be something, okay, yeah, this character alignment, you played a different, yeah, no, that's not how, usually your players will call you on it there. It's like, yeah, that you've seen, that's not how Ramses plays Gordon, or that's not how Alexis plays Athena, or that's not how Jeff plays Jimmy. Yeah. yeah there, there could be some wish fulfillment in that to be like, you know, I really always wondered what would happen if so-and-so did X. So I'll, now, so since I got my hands on the character, they're doing X. Yeah. It, it, it can be fun, but still, you know, going too far off the rails. It would, yeah, it, there's a problem with that. And again, that's just being a good GM and paying attention to how your player plays that character. Well, usually it's going to get called on by the other players because I don't know about you, as a GM, I'm too busy thinking about my NBCs, where the party's going, the things happening around them. Yeah, I totally miss things that are going on to party and, and, and you know, I've, I've seen bad, unfortunately, the bad things have happened to characters in my groups because I wasn't paying attention to what some of the, um, some of the evil acts by players with their characters. Yeah, yeah. You know, a, a couple of which I really wish I had stopped, you know, but I didn't realize it was going on until I was right in the middle of it. So. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, GM taking over a character temporarily. I think at best, yeah, it, it keeps the plot moving. You're not having to figure out what to do with the character. And it, it, as I said, if you keep an eye on how your player does the character, it adds a little extra insight because that GM will be like, like with, with Jeff, okay, he's British, but he still plays everything with a light Tennessee drawl, good old Southern boy. It helps cement the character in the concept that the player made, but for whatever reason the player isn't doing. I'll throw in the occasional term. I'll use the accent. I'll... You can throw in flavor text. You can throw in, I, you know, at, you know, sm small little character bits that you think the character should have been doing. Right, little affectations that, yeah. Someone's playing like a Marine, you know, it's like, uh, might actually, you know, have some 
you have a tattoo on their arm. Suddenly they have a tattoo in their arm that's, you know, with the coat of, of the Marines. Or yeah. they, they're, suddenly they're wearing a cap that they weren't wearing before, you know, or even just using certain dialogue, you know. Yeah, that that's the main thing. It, it's a dialogue thing. I, I don't try to do anything uncharacteristic of the character and their actions. It's more the words and how they speak them is what I'll add to the character voices and whatnot when they're not there. And it also helps kind of remind the other players, okay, this is what the character is. They choose not to do it. No, this is the character concept. Because Jeff could have just said, yeah, he was raised in Britain, but he moved to America and go, let me guess, Tennessee, you know, love you, Jeff. Love you, buddy. Um, So yeah, it's when the GM takes over a character. Yeah. it, It allows for certain things like that to come out. I mean, yeah, going whole hog in the character and, running off the rails, that's going to cause problems. Yeah, your character, yeah, your paladin killed six children. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That's when the player and the K, the GM might... Oh, yeah, it. yeah. That, the yeah. the then, GM should be ready to put the kibosh on that if another player is playing the character, too. Right, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... But again, like I say, it's hard because, you know, especially if, if the GM is playing a character and, you know, they're, that's one reason why I'm not really in favor of the GM playing that character because they literally, you know, most people, players are sitting around waiting for their turn. Okay. Yeah. They can do that with another character as well. Okay. The GM has so much more going on. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I find as a GM that I probably are far more invested. I, I know I am far more invested in the events in the campaign than any of the players are. Oh, yeah. You know? Unless, of course, the, that player is, that character is like the primary driving force of that right. particular campaign, which is rare. I've rarely seen that happen. But, you know, it, I'm no, I know from what people have told me it does. So it's, you know, that's good to hear. And so this, the option we just mentioned was another player can play the character until the missing player returns. And that's, that's a pretty common thing that happens. We mentioned earlier that, uh, that if, especially if two characters are closely, you know, linked to each other, you know, husband and wife, you know, father, daughter, you know, um, squire and, um, and knight, you know, it, 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 some of these are, are almost like obvious. I've, had that back in the day. I haven't had it so much as of late, but with other players that are now gone from my campaigns, they've done that. They said, yeah, I'll take over so-and-so's character. And it's mainly their friends, like Eric the Enabler, his best friend, Joe Kassar. They've been friends since college. They've known each other 25 years. They're pretty damn sure one knows how the other characters, other players going to play that character. So I, I, it's okay, fine. You know how Joe runs a character. And there are sometimes he's done things better than Joe, which I tell him that and Joe's got that look like, Eric, bite me. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's never, oh, I wish I would have thought of that. It's like, you outshine me with my own character. Wow. <laughs> yep. See, now, and I blame the later editions of D&D for this because, you know, in first edition, you know, when, you know, when, when you, you got people together, you knew that, you know, you didn't have all the bases covered or you weren't as powerful as you thought you should be. And maybe nobody wanted to play a particular type of character. So you'd go down and you'd pay the gold pieces, put up the sign saying hiring, you know, hiring henchmen. Okay. And the GM would have to generate a bunch of henchmen to come in and you'd then negotiate with them. And that person would be your henchman. That person would gain half the experience that you got 
you know, and they would usually they would get a certain share of the treasure because they weren't hirelings. Hirelings were basically you paid a price and that was it. Okay, they were basically you know, and and the and theoretically the GM would be playing the hireling, but I never, I mean the henchman, I never did. I always had the player play their their henchman and their main character. Okay, and so that when the oper the, the time came to go and someone was to leave, it, it was quite, it was not unexpected sometimes to go and basically convert that character from a PC into a henchman and continue the character in the in the game now as a an henchman status. And people in first edition and second edition were used to doing that. Yeah. You're used to ha handling multiple characters this way and it was no big deal. Okay, but then we got third and fourth edition after that. No, everybody played one character and one character only. Yeah, third edition, what they do, and it's now in Pathfinder because OGL carried it on. Remember, Pathfinder first edition is technically D&D 3.75. You yes. have the leadership feat. Yes. You can take it at starting seventh level. There might be a few wings. You might be able to get it earlier, but that's all third-party stuff. And your cohort, you get a cohort and a number of followers. Uh -huh. anywhere from first to sixth level, depending on how high. But that cohort, yes, that is an NPC. Money, I'm not sure, but let's say my character gets 25,600 experience for the adventure. That cohort gets 12,800. Half. But it's very few that I have let a player play their NPC cohort. A matter of fact, I think the only one that I allow to do that is Carrie, but that's because Carrie makes the cohorts and, oh yeah, they have this class and that class. And, and I, I admit this freely, Carrie is the one person who knows OGL D20 better than I do. And often, oh, I've, I've, I've put on the Carrie template. Your character is automatically two levels higher because of just how you've linked all the powers and skills and all that and feats. Yeah, if you're playing a ninth level character, no, a carry character is now 11th level character. And I let her play her NPCs because she makes her NPC cohorts. And I'm like, I, 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 yeah, you play this. Just here you go. You can run it. You know all the little ins and outs you've done better than I do. But 99% of my other players throughout the history of me GMing, I play the cohorts. Jeff in the Maze World Sunday game has a, a rock gnome tinkerer known as Schenectady. I play Skin. He is our NPC tinkerer. Yeah, I need to fix your bow here, boss. Let me yeah, let me tighten the, the tension on this one gear for your combo bow. Okay, you're good. You know. And so I play Skin. He's not much for combat. He has an energy pistol, but mainly he's I don't do combat, boss. I'm the I'm the fixer. I'm the guy that makes sure that your bow works and can shoot the arrows, you know. Carrie's the only one that, it's, you know what, you made this character, just play it, I trust you to do it. Yeah, just go. I just shoot this thing while I'm dragging your body to cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just providing, providing covering fire. So yeah, but I, as I said, another player playing the character, I would allow it if, one, I know they're an experienced enough role player where they can handle running two characters that evening. And two, they know the character. Or at least I can look at that player and go, and they look, yeah, I know, okay, we know you know how to play this character well enough. 
they're they're kind of to them enough of a one trick pony to know okay this is what they do fine and then i'll be okay yeah you can play the character this week shouldn't be that much of a problem and then we get on with the game and just we said yeah you know you know alexis i had your mom play the character this past week and you know of course just to mess with alexis you know, we call you lefty now because the right hand got blown off and I got this eight-year-old looking up at me, scowling at me until she sees me smile. You know, but yeah, it's it's letting a player ca- play, take over another character temporarily. Again, that's that unspoken social contract. I know you're experienced enough to run two characters in a session and I know you know the character well enough to play it reasonably well. I, that's not something I'm just going to thrust on. Yeah, you need to play this character tonight, too, because they're not here. I'm not going to do that, because a lot of times the character's like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not, you know, I don't know how to do this character. Yeah, so I usually gauge the situation before I allow that to happen. Well, you know, if they if nobody can, then that's where the stricken falls in. But if you <sighs> want them to remain active... Blue-thumbing, yeah, then I somebody, just blue-thumb. Somebody has to, uh, has to play the character. Yeah. If the GM is, is too busy playing everybody else, then, and the player isn't willing to do it, then I don't see too many options besides stricken. Yeah, yeah. I just blew, I just used the blue thumb thing, and yeah, you're being led along throughout the campaign, and shots mysteriously miss you the entire session. Yeah, I just, yeah, that, that's how I take care of it then, if just I don't have that option of it being played otherwise, or I got too much going on. Yeah. Did you survive? Yeah, you survived. Yeah. <laughs> But there is always the case where nobody wants to play the character. But the character is important. And has to be played. Yeah. And it needs to be played. All right. So uh, then there is always, there is the option of round robining the character. Mm. And this could be done ridiculously often. Or, you know, but I mean, essentially what it means is, is that, you know, a player is responsible for the character until the next appropriate time to hand it off. Okay. Uh, which at the worst would be the next game session, assuming that they're going to be the person, the player is good. The missing player is going to be gone for multiple game sessions, but it could be as simple as, okay, at the end of this encounter, hand it off to the next person. Right. This reduces the 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 amount of stress and and burden on uh, on a particular player to the minimum. Okay, uh, and it has a number of benefits. One of the benefits is is that uh, people have a tendency to play similar characters. Oh yeah. All of a sudden, someone says, "Hey, I need you to you know you need to play this monk. I've never played a monk before. That's okay. You'll be fine." Work it out. Figure it out. And so, you know, look at the character sheets. See what they can do. You know, and then the next person. And maybe they're used to playing, you know, uh, clerics, not monks. Well, they get to play a monk now. And round robins itself all the way through the group. Now, if you were doing that where you had people who literally had no idea how to play this character. And I have seen this happen because D&D just loves to come up with these bizarro combinations of classes and prestige classes and splat books and things like that and archetypes yeah, yeah i mean with- I, I look at some of these things and i'm like i have no idea what this is 
you know, I, uh, all right. So, and a lot of times you just fall back to the to the standard. Well, there's some kind of a monk, so I'm going to play him as a monk and 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 continue. But the point is, it, it's an opportunity for the other players to dip their toe into an into a character class they otherwise would not have taken the effort to create for themselves. It's also a thing that I recommend when you go to conventions. Always play characters that you've never played before because what's the worst that could happen, right? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a one-shot. If your character dies, then you go off and go get a pop at the... Yeah. yeah, but you've gotten the experience of doing it, sure. Right, you know. yeah, it broadens your experience as a tabletop gamer. Right, right. So round robbing can be, can be fine. Now, as we mentioned before, if there's secret knowledge that the character has, this is a bad idea. Yeah. Because then everybody knows about it. So, you know, unless, of course, the GM basically goes and blacks out certain sections of the character sheet. So, and uh, because if you don't know about it, you can't act on it. But I'm saying is that, you know, I... Now, one of the things that you've got to be real careful about in both cases is that you should not say, hmm... It says, I really think that this character, this item on this character should belong to another character. Since oh, I'm playing the character, no. No. I'm going to either outright give it to this other character or because it'll just make the party stronger if they have it. Okay. Or we'll do a wheeling dealing and come up with some kind of compensation, you know, throw a bone to the actual player whose character this is. Don't do oh, that. No, I mean, that's no, really, no, no, that's. No. No, that's uh, a good. That, oh no, you want to go back up to the top of the list where say player leaves a group. That's a good way to do it. Yes, that is exactly yeah. how you can do that. Yes, that's that's right. Uh, you GMs out there, that's right up there with crimes that you do not do from behind the GM screen. The big one is railroading, forcing your players to do a plot and not giving them outs unless they really want you to do it. Okay, well, yeah, but I mean, where you are actively saying, no, you're going to finish this adventure and you're going to go to this exact plot line that I put out yeah. and there's no other answer or way. To, that's railroading. That's one of the biggest crimes a GM can do. It is. Selling an absent player's character stuff behind his back to where he doesn't have it afterwards or taking it from him, that's up Or there. even changing it. I mean, it can be really, it can really tick off the character, the player. Well, yeah, it, it's like, well, there's a few that it should have happened to. Again, that's the whole story I have. Of, you had a rod of lordly might? Well, I didn't think we needed it. Never mind, we're getting our butts handed to us throughout the entire campaign. Um, well, yeah, that happens too. <laughs> you had this all this time and you never used it. Yeah. Yeah, that was the point. Well, we all switched characters. It was a buying thing. We all, okay, hand the character off your left. I look at Lodge's character. And I, I turned on him. It was like a, you know, a, a, a dog suddenly. You have a rod of lordly mate. Well, I didn't think we needed it. We'd be getting our butts handed to us now for the past three months, thanks to Jerry. And you haven't pulled this out, really. There's been very few times as a player or GM that I have truly wished bodily harm on another member of my group. And remember, I've been doing this for forty years. I've had my players attack other party members. It's not. It has happened. I mean, I wasn't. I mean, I was not planning on killing them. Or if I did kill, I, you know, usually it was in campaigns where you could be wounded down to to like negative ten, yeah. negative nine, and not dying. Negative ten, you're dead. So yeah. my intent was to wound them down below zero, you know, and you know, and then 
pee on them or something, you know, just whatever it was necessary to humiliate them. Okay. You know, and, uh, you know, have them wake, have them wake up, you know, uh, naked or something like that. Why do I taste salt? Oh, gee. Yeah. 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 I'm just saying is that I, you know, and, and, and there's always the chance that you'll get screwed over. And as I have lost characters who've been killed by that. And the other player character was not so, so good natured about the, uh, the, the drubbing that I was intending. And I ended up basically just being dead, having to yeah. roll up a new character. So, yeah. I mean, you, you know, this is the chance you take if you do that, you know, but at the same time is that there are some people that need a good drubbing. And I'm talking about player characters, not players. I mean, there may be some players that need a good drubbing, but I'm, I, I am, I'm, I am, I am nonviolent. I do not, I do not drub other characters, other players. <laughs> but their characters, on the other hand, I have shown some. Oh no, there are times there are just characters that are just major jerks. And just, they need to be knocked down a few pegs. Yeah. One of the reasons I like uh, clerics is because of the command spell. Ah! <laughs> there are a few spells more satisfying than casting command and going urinate. Yeah. But they're like, you didn't tell me to take off my clothes first. Yeah, exactly. I know. Get cracking. <laughs> Let me slosh around the water in the canteen to help you there, buddy. Yeah. yeah let me turn oh, no, on the no, no, no. Let me turn no, on no. the faucet here. Does yeah, exactly. Help? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I just... There are certain characters that if you... As much as you hate the characters, and I'm going to be playing in this new hardwired Hinterland campaign I've started, a character and NPC, I'm playing them both to be just major dicks. Just, yeah. They're going to be helpful, but they're going to be annoying. And you don't want... Playing to your strengths, are you, Trav? I am Dementia Radio's resident malicious prick, after all. I have decades of experience. I'm a professional. Do not try this at home. Um, but yeah, no, I'm playing this one... And I've told the... Yeah, because people in my gaming groups listen to this podcast. They don't listen to me at the damn table. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, uh, you've I met, feel that. you've I met feel that. a few of my players. Bruce. I feel you, that. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I've met your players. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, they are a colorful bunch. Oh, yes. But, um, you're going to have that one time where you give a player another person's character and they're annoying jerks. And they're going to... The character or the player? It, well, usually it's the character. If it's the player, yeah. But it, the character, the playing the character is just a major jerk. And if that other player takes over this jerk character, there are times for revenge. And just, it could be done. And if it's all in the course of the game... Yeah, your character, I'm sorry, I failed the, the will save and you got mind controlled. And yeah, that's why you now have a tattoo that says, I, I heart orcs on your forehead. I'm sorry, I rolled the best I could. And they fudge the roll, you know, to do it just to screw over the character. It's nothing harmful. It's nothing, well, a tattoo, you know. And yeah, it was a magical tattoo. So whenever orcs come up within 30 feet of you, the heart lights up like a torch. I'm sorry, I failed the, you know. 
yeah, there are things that can be done like that. But like I said, I'm playing these two characters now. My NPC and then another NPC I'm bringing in to even out the group. And just... No, you're going to have the, those jerk characters that if you do this round-robin thing or if you just let another player play the character, be warned you're going to have this where that that player might... That character might have something befall them. Now, most... Other players are not going to do anything where it's malicious. Yeah, yeah, you're now lefty. Sorry. I I did that, and I intentionally, I lied to the, you know, yeah, you know, I had a bad dice roll, and, you know, the the trap on the chest took off your hand. I'm sorry. And, yeah, we don't. The, those swords of sharpness uh, cut both ways. Yeah, it just, yeah, I'm sorry. And, no, you don't want to be that mean to them. But there is a license, that annoying character you have a chance to play it. You could do something that it's playful. It knocks the character down a few pegs. And hopefully the player is mature enough when they come back to realize, okay, this is what happened when I handed off my character to somebody else. Things like this can happen. Fine. Roll with it. Now, if you're going to be a jerk about it, oh, you do, then that's something that the GM needs to adjudicate and deal with before it gets worse. Oh, you did that intentionally to mar my character you know yeah uh the most uh egregious example of this that i've ever run across young lady was playing a female character who was kind of like a princess i mean she was she she was modern day it was bureau 13 but she was like a princess character you know she was pretty she was dressed to the nines you know lots of gold and jewelry on her and stuff like that. Usually the char- the character was designed for her to, you know, uh, use her persuasive skills to get what she wants, all right? captures They capture a bad guy, tie, you know, time to the chair, you know. Um, she comes up. Everyone's expecting her to go and say something, make the persuasion check, or you know, tell them to get out the uh, truth serum and stuff like that. And she says, "I drive the heel of my of my stiletto shoes into his his instep, and when he screams, I slap him across the mouth and tell him to spill his guts. Get out the torture charts. We're get it's, this is going to get nasty." And I'm just sitting there going, what the hell just happened? <laughs> what? Whoa, wait. No, so this woman did this or somebody else playing the character? Yes. Well, someone else playing the character. Yeah, that's that's a breach of that social contract of how the character is. Just You know that this character wouldn't do that. And all of a sudden... Yeah. She, well, she'd never done it in the past, put it that way. Well, still, you, you assume... And again, it's a it's an understanding, a gestalt understanding in the group. Okay, this is the good cop. This is the one who, yeah, asking and nice. And then the person with the, you know, the the electrodes and the bucket of water come in. No, she takes over that role. That I would consider a violation of what that character does. That player took a liberty with that character that it should not have. The strange thing was, is that all the other player characters, they're like, I didn't know we could do that. Holy cow, we can do that? They they were into it. They were totally, you know, backing her up. 
Okay, but here's the thing. When the when the player came back and got her character back and found out that this was done in her absence, what was her reaction? Uh, her reaction was, I can do that? <laughs> I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> Jesus. I've been playing nice because that was the only... And I said, no, you can't do that, okay? We did it one time while you weren't here, and I'm not playing that kind of campaign. The Bureau is inches away from X-filing the whole bunch of you for that. That, that that's, that's something you go to after everything else has been tried, and it's really important, okay? It's not your go-to. Yeah, that's the thing. See, you brought it up, okay, yeah, that was done by that character by a different player, there are now consequences you have to suffer afterwards. Okay, I like what you did there because that's, yeah, okay, yeah, the char- this, this particular character, this normally very persuasive and attractive character who that is how she lures information out just by being good-looking and charming, all of a sudden decides to go to Marquis and Assad route. Yeah. Good. You put in a consequence. It's like, yeah, now you're you have red dots on you by your bosses because you did stuff you're not supposed to to get information. You could have used your normal talents, but you just went on this weird tangent. And the fact that you made the consequence, sir, I like that. It haunts them for and it also makes the players realize player characters, you know, pay attention to your other your other players and how they play their characters, because it may come up. You may have to play that character sometime. So yeah, it was kind of a, a good shock. Eh, pardon my pun. Shock to the system for everyone. Yeah, it, it was because a they didn't think that they didn't know that that was the possibility in the system. See, that's what bugs me. Even the player came back and said, "We could do this." What I've been playing this character like it, the only reason she'd been playing that character, yeah, partly character concept, but also she didn't think there were any other worse options. Wow, <laughs> not worse. It was effective. Oh, oh, how Machiavellian of you, sir. Yeah, and yes, yes. Me. It was like, I don't, have to, I don't have to make my persuasion checks. He, this person has to make their resistance to torture yeah. checks. It'd be, be a fort save and a will save, yeah. My character cannot fail. Only the, only the target of my evilness can yeah. fail. Basically, and he goes back to his friends. I got tortured by Paris Hilton. This sucks. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is that's pretty much the, the yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah. it's like yes, the uh, and everybody looked at that. Everybody looked at that character differently from that point on. Oh, I'm sure, and I'm and it's a good thing that, for, for example, no, uh, uh, everybody like stole all of her stiletto heels. Oh, she was never allowed to wear stiletto heels again. Oh, no. What would have been funny was somebody stole them. And the rest of the party, seeing how effective she was with them, and it's like, oh no, honey, we're hunting them down. Get your, get your, you know, your, your good, get your good sidearm. We're going after that SOB that stole your shoe collection. Right. Of course, they could have gone the opposite direction where everybody would start wearing stiletto heels. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We're just going to put that out there now. The big tough guy in battle armor wearing the stiletto heels would definitely have been a it would have raised some eyebrows, but again, we don't judge here on gaming on the frontier. I, I'm thinking about um, uh, Gene Simmons' character in Kiss. Oh, geez, with the the well, those aren't stilettos; those are just really thick, you know, 
sold. I know, but they they're really shiny and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like this. So, Again, yeah. as far as you know. <laughs> The big burly guy in battle armor wearing stilettos. Again, we don't judge here. It's all, like I say in my show, it's all good in the hood here on the Trapcast and same here on GOTA. Yeah. It, everything's fine until you have to walk across that grate. And then there's problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah what, every, everything's fine until you put an eye out. Well, with the stiletto heel, one good kick, you know, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's all I got. <laughs> oh no, this is a decent, and you did come up with things, as I said, round robbing, round, oh good, we get to edit that out. Round robbing. Robbing, thank you. A PC in a, a player's absence, never thought of that. The first two options were what I usually would do. That third one, it would depend on the group and the level of experience of the players, but I might try that sometime. Just to see how it works. Well, essentially, if you do the mind shift, you're essentially doing that. Especially if you keep mind shifting them. Yeah, the Master Souls campaign, we did that, the whole Rod of Lordly Might story. And the Maze World game, okay, hand your character off to the left. Oz was playing Brian's character a... Um, he had the spirit of a Korean Kitsune, a Gumio. But he was half Somali, half Korean, KGB-trained assassin. And Oz was starting to get the weird glint in his eye and the chaos from the Gumio was there. And Oz was doing it really well. Oz can do crazy very well. He also does a very good Klingon. That's yet another story. And as soon as, and it was Perky Goth running the campaign. I was playing my character. I let her run everything. That session. And as soon as Gina says, okay, everybody snaps back to their own minds. And I'm not sure to this day, and it was like six, seven years ago, if Oz was saying this in character as Ziggy or out of character as Dan Osborne to Brian White. As soon as he handed that character sheet back to Brian, he turned to him and said, you, sir, need Jesus. <laughs> as, as I said, to this day, I'm not sure if that was in or out of game. I've just decided to let it go and let the joke lie. <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 not, yeah, now that you think of it, yeah, it is kind of round robbing. Oh, there, I said it. Another PC. But it's not due to absence, it's due to help move along the narrative. Okay, yeah. All right. No, a lot of, the, no, a lot of these, I, 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 and again, I'm, I'm just 10 years short of your gaming experience. Yeah, all these were great. Yeah. All these work. We're all about bringing the awesome to your game, so, you know, and sometimes we actually learn things from each other is, uh, Oh, yeah. GMs. I know that when you tell stories of your table, sometimes I learn things that I never thought were possible. Yeah, so. you, sometimes you learn things you didn't want to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, dear God, Trap has this this person at their table. I'm sorry, young man. I'm sorry. Yeah. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Trap. <laughs> oh, no. Like I said, first seen me game, you know, when we still had people there and she, when it was just when we had to go to all. Uh, online, you perform. When you GM, you perform. I watch you, dear, and I, I'm like, wow, honey, next time you come at me like that, send a clown card. Yeah. Oh, my wife tells me I shout like crazy when I GM. <laughs> and here's the thing. I've, I've, I've run in, yeah, I've run, you know, characters and you're, you're not shouty. It just, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. Then again, you've told me about your groups. <clears throat> um, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyways, you want to put a bow on this, sir? 
Absolutely. All righty. Thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Uh, we hope that uh, you have found some useful and effective means of, of carrying on your campaign when you have people who don't show up for either permanent or temporary reasons. Uh, we hope that you're going to, that, that you'll take these to heart and uh, actually use them or at least pass them on to your GM and other people who may not have heard of them. Uh, you're welcome to, uh, uh, we record this under the Creative Commons, and so you are welcome to uh, uh, basically play this for anybody you'd like, uh, as long as you get, uh, or even quote us, as long as you uh, attribute the uh, uh, Gave Me on the Frontier podcast. In any event, we hope that uh, you, you, this has resonated with some of you, because everybody, every GM and every player runs into this situation, and so we... Uh, we hope that this has been enjoyable and, uh, if nothing else, a, a pass down memory lane where you can remember how all these things have happened to you. So we will have more useful information, or at least stuff we think is hilarious, yeah. <laughs> next week. But you will have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying... There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.